You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. All right. Well, if you got your Bibles, turn to Habakkuk 2. We got to figure out how to transition out of that sap fest. Um, (laughs) Whew. So good. Habakkuk chapter 2. I'll be uh, uh, transparent with you guys. I I actually felt like, and I don't think I've ever done this. Cody, you didn't correct me the first service, so I'll just guess that we were right. But uh, I don't think I've ever done this, but I felt like I was supposed to ask Cody, uh, what I was supposed to preach today. And uh, I said, hey, what, what, what do you want me to do? I said, I don't have a direction yet specific, but you know your church, you know what's going on there, and you know what would really encourage the people and feed the people the most. And so uh, what, what, how could I serve you the best? And uh, he said, man, I want you to preach on faith. And so the title of today's message is Living by Faith. Um, and I'm, we're, I'm having you turn to Habakkuk, just to be honest with you, when Cody said that to me, uh, I knew immediately what scripture that I was going to. Uh, I heard the Lord speak to me about the just shall live by faith. The thing is, is I've known that scripture was in the New Testament. I did not re- realize until I started digging in that it was actually in Habakkuk and the, it was the Apostle Paul who was quoting it, which we'll read some more of that here in a minute. But, uh, so that's why I've got you in Habakkuk. And I'll just, a little bit of a heads up, um, Habakkuk is an old school prophet, so he just comes out swinging. And so just buckle up. Turn to your neighbor and say, buckle up. Habakkuk chapter two, verse one says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. I just wanna stop right there and just give a couple of things here because I think the life of Habakkuk is so profound in a lot of ways and what he even said here was so profound. And, and will do us all a lot of good to kind of focus on just these four, even the first two. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. One of the things that Habakkuk was saying here is, I have a call on my life and I'm going to do it. And I, it, is, it is significant. Uh, it is important that you know that every single person in this room, you have a call on your life. And not to bring shame, guilt, or even fear, but there will come a day where you will answer for the call of God on your life. The call of God on your life is not to just accept Jesus and then go on doing whatever you want to do. <laughs> you know what? It'll just, just, just say amen. Whether you believe it or not, just say amen. Because I'm right. I promise you. You have a call on your life. And I, and I mean this with all of my heart. I implore you. That's, I, loved, I loved our worship set today. But I, I, I beg you. I plead with you. Uh, much like most of the scriptures do, to say yes and give your life as a living sacrifice to co-labor with Christ to advance the kingdom on this earth. It is incredibly important that you continue to move forward with him. And I love how Habakkuk starts here. He says, I ain't going nowhere. I am standing my watch. I am setting myself exactly where I'm supposed to be. Did you know there's a place you're supposed to be? There's a place you're supposed to be. There's a city that you're called to. There's a job that you're, you're called to. There's a people group that you're called to. There's an assignment on your life. And he's like, I'm, I'm standing where I'm supposed to be and I'm gonna do what he tells me to do. When he speaks, I'm gonna listen. But then I love that he says, and I'm curious to see how I'm gonna respond. He says, and what I will answer when I am corrected. You see, Habakkuk understood something. He understood that and I'm going to make a statement here that when I felt the Spirit of the Lord say this to me, and when he said it, it offended me. <laughs> so I don't know what it's going to do to you. Um, but 
it, I was like, oh, Lord, I don't, I don't even know if that's scriptural. I was having to wrestle whether that was even the Lord that said that or somebody else that said that to me. But I really did. So I wrestled with it for a little bit, but I, he gave me scripture. But I want you to hear this. Habakkuk understood this. You need to understand this. Our response to the word of God is as important as the word of God itself. How you respond, what you do with the word of God is as important as the word of God itself. Now, again, I understand that could be a heavy statement, but I just want to remind you what Romans chapter 10, uh, verse 9 says. It says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Notice, we know Jesus did his part, and it was the most significant part to play in this equation. And it, yet it, mean, it will mean absolutely nothing to you if you don't confess and believe. The, what he did had the power to remove all of sin from your life, the condition of sin, and make you spotless, blameless, holy, righteous, just, which we'll get to here in a minute. It had that much power in it. And yet, if you don't confess and you don't believe, it will do nothing in your life. So I repeat, what you do with the word is sometimes more important or as important as the word of God itself. The, the analogy that I got <laughs> when I was uh, thinking about this was imagine going hunting with a loaded gun and seeing the animal that you're there to hunt, which in case, if, if, that, if that offends you, uh, a preacher talking about hunting, there's lots of other good churches in this city. <laughs> and they may not talk about it, but if you're gonna survive here, you need to get over it. Just gonna put that out there. Um, yeah, amen. I gotta tell you a quick story. This has nothing to do with my message. But uh, I, I smarted off one time and I, I was cracking a joke, trying to be funny, and I just said, hey, I just want you to know if you're a card-carrying member of PETA, this probably ain't the right church for you. And uh, that week I got an email from two people and they said, well, we're gonna be finding another church. And I was like, that gummit. I didn't really, didn't really mean that. <laughs> but uh, imagine going hunting. <laughs> for a watermelon. <laughs> uh, imagine going hunting with a loaded gun and seeing the animal that you're there to kill, to shoot, and throwing the gun at it. That's what knowing the word of God, hearing the word of God, and doing nothing with it is like. In your hands is the power to do something significant, but you actually have to pull the trigger. It, it, that word is... You, even you knowing that word does you no good. No different than Satan knowing Jesus does him no good. He, do, he submits not to Jesus. <laughs> that was Satan's biggest issue. That's why you hear me say when I do an altar call, you, you going to heaven and heaven being your future home actually is not just about you believing in God because Satan's 100% convinced God exists. He was there with him as, as an angel. But one day he rose up in pride. He got puffed up in pride and said, wait a minute, I'm, I'm the worship leader here and I think I, gotta, I think I got some things to add to this equation. And he puffed himself up. He elevated himself above God and refused to see God for who he is as supreme, as God. And he would not yield to him. So it's not just about believing the word. It's not just, do you believe it's the word of God? Yes, I do. Are you doing it? No, I am not. Then it will have no value in your life. The Bible says his words are life to those that hear it. They're, they're, they're life to those that hear it. But I was talking with Cody about this, but if you actually heard the word and received the word, the next step is to actually do the word. Yeah. 
that's one of the things that Habakkuk's saying here. He's like, I'm, I'm here to, I'm, I'm doing my job. I know there's a call of God on my life. I ain't going nowhere. And I'm going to listen and I'm going to do. And if he, because he, I'm sure he's going to have some things to say about it, might need to be, bring some correction. But I'm here for the correction as well. That's a great attitude with which to approach the things of God with. I am ready to be corrected. I am ready to be corrected. I'm ready to be confronted. If there's a part of me, a behavior in me, a thought in me that does not line up with the word of God, I am ready to change. I am eager to change. Amen? Amen. Let's keep reading here. Habakkuk 2 verse 2. It says, then the Lord said to me, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. So let's just pause right here. He's telling Habakkuk, uh, and I, I was kind of reading some old school Charles Spurgeon this morning, and he was talking about how he was reading a commentary on Habakkuk 2 where he said it was commonplace for prophets in those, those, those time periods to have wax tablets that they would occasionally write these things on. And it's like the Lord was saying, hey, I know I talk to you a lot, and I know I've given you a lot of words, but this ain't no normal word I'm fixing to give you. I'm gonna need you to write this one down. I'm gonna need you to take a record of this one because this one's actually not for right now. This word is not gonna come to pass. The fulfillment of this word is not gonna come to pass until an appointed time, but it's coming. That's what he says. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. And then the, the verse we're gonna pay the most attention to today is verse four. It says, behold the proud, because this is actually the beginning of the word. So it, this would be where Habakkuk actually started writing. Because the Lord had just given the instructions, say, hey, I want you to write this down. The first thing he said, behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Notice him, that the spirit of the Lord here is contrasting two types of people, proud people and just people. Proud people and just people. I, I just want to say this, it is it's actually impossible to exaggerate the dangers of pride. Right off the bat, it says, hey, get ready, write this down, Habakkuk, this is gonna be important. Behold the proud, for his soul is not upright in him. And it's interesting what he contrasts is a proud person and a just person. And he says a proud person is something's wrong on the inside of him. And what we're gonna learn today more about here in a minute is a just person, there's nothing wrong inside of him. They've been made right in spirit with God. So he contrasts, almost saying that the opposite of a just man is a proud man. And so I would just, and you'll see the importance of that more later, but pride is the nature of the devil. The sin of pride was what got, kicked him out of he what got him kicked out of heaven in the first place. <laughs> Uh, if you were here on our, some of our Wednesday nights, one of our core values is, is, is humility. And so we talked a lot about pride and humility. And so I, it, was, it was stout, it was strong, but uh, it, it's, it's true. Uh, when you are walking in pride, you are acting like the devil himself. When you are walking in pride, you are taking for yourself the glory that was due God. That's what pride is. Pride is saying, we should know, according to Scripture, all glory and honor is due him. What pride is saying is like, well, I mean, I helped a little bit. I mean, I did do this, and I did do that, and I do know this, and I can do that. It's taking some of the glory. Uh, um, imagine having in your possession 
some of the glory that it was only due the Father. It belongs in his house and you're keeping it over here in your house. James 4, 6 says it this way, God resists the proud, but gives more grace to the humble. I'll just let you know this, if you're resisting God, let me say it differently, if God's resisting you, you have a problem. If God is, I, I have a hard time believing anything's gonna get accomplished in your life if God is, is resisting you. And so I, I, again, I can't camp on that for too long, but I just, I need you to understand this. So many times in scripture, God starts off certain things with dealing with pride. Dealing with pride. In fact, Proverbs chapter, uh, I can't remember the address right off the top of my head. In the book of Proverbs, it says, when it's talking about the seven things that God hates, guess what number one is? A proud look. Not murderers, not adulterers, not all these other things. Number one, first thing out of his mouth, a proud look. So, I really can't clean that up. Just work on that, okay, will you? Or is that, are y'all laughing because you're gonna do that? Or are you like, okay, okay well, don't be laughing so loud. Um, but I wanna go back to the end of verse four. It says, says uh, behold the proud, let me read it again. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. And like I told you earlier, I wasn't aware that this was, uh, this was Habakkuk. I knew it from the New Testament. Let me read those uh, instances in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38 now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. I'm gonna to skip to Galatians, guys. Galatians 3.11, but no one, has, no one is justified by the law on the side of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. I'm saving Romans 1.17 for last here because I want you to see something. Romans 1.17, for in, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Why is Paul saying in Romans, to the Romans, in his letter, epistle to the Romans, why is he saying as it, as it is written? Because somebody somewhere named Habakkuk, when the Lord asked him to do something, he did it. Paul had a message to preach because hundreds of years earlier, somebody did the little thing that the Lord asked him to do. Do you know that the Lord might be asking you to do, to do something that seems so insignificant, but it could change the course of history hundreds of years from now? We've gotta get used to saying yes to the little things the Lord is asking us to do. We've gotta to learn to say yes to the stupid things in our mind, the crazy things that the Lord asks us to do. We've gotta to get to the point where we have so little fear of man, in other words, I don't, your opinion doesn't weigh on my decisions. That's what fear of man is. I make decisions based on you. I'm looking at you and what you think of me, how you feel about me. I'm, 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 I'm gonna consider you when I make my decisions. There should be none of that when it comes to following God. None of that. That's not honor, not, I mean, I can still honor you. I can even submit myself to spiritual, all of those things. But when God is speaking, I shouldn't be thinking, what, do you, what are you gonna think if I do what God says to do? I told the story I don't remember if I've told this before, but it's, it's just a good story. Um, the, the facts may be a little bit off, but the principle's the same, but there was a guy one time at a convenience store, and he said, the Lord told him, hey, go over there to that, um, uh, it was a, I think it was a um, soda machine, Coke, yeah, Coke machine. He said, go over there to that Coke machine and stand on your head against that Coke machine. And he's like, no, you know. 
that's crazy. And he said, no, I want you to go stand on your head at that Coke machine. So the guy finally, the Lord just kept on, goes, goes over there, stands on his head at the Coke machine. The guy walks up to him, someone walks up to him and says, hey, if you don't mind me asking, why are you standing on your head at this Coke machine? Which seems like a valid question, if you ask me. And uh, he said, man, I, I got no reason except for the fact that the Lord told me to come do this. And the person burst into tears and said, I told the Lord that today I'd plan on killing myself and that I was gonna kill myself unless someone went and stood on their head at that Coke machine right there. We've gotta get to the point where the Lord can ask us to do anything. And can I just say this? Even if you're off, and it really wasn't the Lord that said that, two things. One, the childlike faith that went for it. Please is God. So even if you acted on a word he didn't even give you, he's like, you know what? I kinda like your attitude right now. And second of all, your conscience will be clean. And I'll tell you right now, I've lived in places like this where I have, I've thought for weeks, months, sometimes years, ah, did the Lord ask me to do that and I didn't do it? Because how many times throughout the course of a day do you walk around and all of a sudden, You'll just think of something good, like, hey, I should pray for that person. I should give that person some money. I should call this person and tell them I was thinking about them. I should, you think of doing something good, but you, you never do it because you get lost in this dumb thing of like, is that the Lord or is that me? Well, if it's good, why does it matter? Maybe you're starting to act like him and be an imitator of him as dear children, like the scripture says. Maybe you have been transformed into his image like the scripture says is gonna happen and you're actually starting to act like him. Why does it matter? But I do know this, it will eat my sack lunch sometimes if I don't do something I thought I might have should have done a week ago. So sometimes the little things is, you could even say, not that this is all the way true, but even if it wasn't about being obedient to God, it's living with a clean conscience knowing there's not an area in my life that he could speak to me that I wouldn't do it. I don't want to live with that, ah, maybe I missed it. That's a, that's a bad place to live. Maybe I missed it. Maybe I missed it. Well, if you just keep giving, like I said, if it's a little thing, sounds crazy. If it's good, just do it anyway. Amen? Amen. For the just, for in, the righteous, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So the fact that Habakkuk was obedient, which is writing something that the Lord was showing him down, Paul had a message to preach to the Romans. It's, it's, said in the New, it's said in Habakkuk in the Old Testament. It's prophesied, actually. Then it's repeated to the Romans, repeated to the Galatians, repeated multiple times in the New Testament. I would propose that if it's repeated this many times, that exact phrase, the just shall live by faith, the just shall live by faith, we should pay attention. Yeah. Clearly, he's trying to get our attention. Clearly, this is important. And uh, so I want to read you this scripture because one of the first questions when we, when we get to this idea of, okay, the just shall live by faith, the first thing we have to address is who is the just? What does it mean to be just and who are the just? Just is actually, in fact, you'll see this throughout scripture, um, it's, like a, it's like a legal term, the word just. It's a, it's a term that would be used, and, and you actually see this throughout scripture, uh, I was saying this in the first service. Someone gave me a, a teaching by someone talking about the courtroom. I think the title of the message was called The Courtroom of Heaven. And you'll see throughout Scripture uh, this, this thread, and we'll read some of it here in just a second, this thread about how God uses 
these legal terms like just and because yes, God is Jehovah, our provider. He's the healer. He's all these things, but he's also the righteous judge. That's one of the names of God. That's, that's one of the things that he is. And so in this particular situation, he's, he's talking about his judgment, which shouldn't scare you, especially when you, when you know what we're talking about here. But it's a legal term, law term, that actually means innocent, that means righteous, that means in right standing. So if you are just or if you have been justified, you have been deemed innocent, you have been deemed right. So if you, you know, the, the term justifiable homicide, what it means is yes, you did this, but it's been justified as okay, it should have done, you were right in doing what you did. So it, the word just means it's someone who's in right standing or innocent. Well, who are these people that are innocent and in right standing? Some of you would know this, but every now and then, no, the Lord corrected me. Often, we need to remind ourselves who the just are. Often. Um, if I'm being super vulnerable, when I was putting this message together yesterday, I drove up to Midland uh, Wednesday night and then just want to have all day Saturday just to give myself to this. And it just wasn't like flowing. And it just, I kind of felt like as I was writing some things down, it just wasn't really coming out. Yeah, that phrase, it, you know, You've heard us say it's got some oil on it. Well, I didn't feel no oil anywhere. And so I was just kind of struggling and I'm just kind of complaining and whining to the Lord. And he said, I just clearly heard him say, are you going to read my words? Tomorrow when you preach, are you going to read my words? And I already knew I was in trouble when he started talking to me like that. And uh, I said, yes, Lord. And he said, well, my words are life to those that hear them. And I said in my word, he who has ears, let him hear. Ears to hear, let him hear. So I would just, I'm gonna, because I wanna read this scripture. And I, it impacted Cody the same way it impacted me because when I read it with fresh set of ears, it was life to me as I heard it. So I would encourage you as I read a pretty significant amount of scripture here, let it be life to you. Romans chapter three, verse 21. This is, this will fully explain to you who are the just. But now God has shown us a way to be made right or just or innocent with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right, makes us innocent, makes us just in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is just and fair, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. I thought that was super fascinating, and I never really thought through that. God made sure that the, before Jesus had ever died on the cross, he made sure not to hold any person who had died before that. He did not hold their sins against them. So when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die on the cross for everyone after him. He died on the cross for everyone who had ever been born. So significant. Can we boast? What does he start doing? Dealing with pride. 
So after all this, are we gonna get puffed up in pride? No. You know what, that'd be good. Just say that like I said that, no. That's when you know you're serious. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal, notice this legal term here, our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. I wrote a little summary here. I'm just gonna read this to you. Uh, I think it's, 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 it's all right. God loves you so much and loved you so much that he just could not bear watching you face the punishment that you deserved. But because he is just, he could not simply ignore our sin. It had to be paid for in order for our innocence to be restored. So God sent Jesus to pay the price for our sin so that we could be made righteous, so that we could be justified. God is savior, he's a savior, he's a provider, he's a healer, but he's also a judge who judges righteously every time. And what could not happen because of that is your sin could not be ignored. Your sin, your, not just your sinning, the act of sinning, your sin condition that you were born with because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden. We're talking about the condition of sin here. <coughs> the price had to be paid. And according to scripture, that the wages of sin is, he refused to make you pay that penalty. It's just like, it's like, he, he just didn't want to, he didn't want that. He wanted you to live. He wanted you to have life with him. But the full penalty of sin had to be paid. It's like the other day, I got a ticket. And apparently, my insurance is gonna go up if I don't pay them $286. I can't, I can't say, hey, well, I don't agree to that fine. I, here's $20. And stop being a jerk. <laughs> I see, I don't, I don't get to decide. The, the legal system decides. If this is the consequence, or if this is the crime, this is the consequence. Well, in the kingdom, the consequence for sin had to be death. There was not like, it, that's why you see even in the Old Testament, it was temporarily the death of animals and the blood of animals. Because that had to be paid. And, 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 the, and the father, he's like, I, I didn't create them to die, I created them to live forever with me. How do I know that? Because there was two trees in the garden. There was the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which gets all the attention all the time. But what's the tree that doesn't get much attention? What was it called? The tree of life. Life. And what did it tell us about this tree? You eat of its fruit, you live forever. We were created to live forever. But when Adam and Eve did what they did, notice what happened. They sinned. They, their their um, spiritual makeup was changed to a sin nature. So what did the Lord have to do to the tree of life? We gotta, we gotta hide this bad boy. We gotta get some dudes around it to protect it. Why? Because I don't want you to live forever. Because if you'd eat, think about this. If, you if Adam and Eve would have made their way to the tree of life after their condition had changed, they would have lived forever in the wrong condition. So the fact that Jesus was saying, hey, we gotta keep them away from the tree of life is him saying, I want you to live forever, but not like this. I cannot have you live like this. Because like this, we can't have communion. We can't have what I want us to have. You can't live forever the way you were created to live. So in comes the law. 
Now here's what the law taught us. The law taught us if you offend in one, you've offended in all. You know what that means? If you ever even exaggerated one time, it was as, you, as if you committed the sin of murder. Same penalty. The wage of sin was death, even if your sin was simply exaggeration or whatever you deem, which it's not a small thing, but whatever you deem the smallest sin you can think of. Which tells us right away, the law was never given so that we could live up to it. The law was given so we would realize, I can't do that. I will never meet that standard. I could never meet that standard. There's no way I will never not deserve death. Man was not meant for the law. The law was given to let man know what he really needed, a savior. And the intensity of the law was to, sh- to point us in a direction so that there would be an, an intensity of love to our Savior. The law was so intense and the penalty was so intense that we would know the fact that he took that penalty for us gave us the ability not to try to fulfill the law intensely, but to love our Savior intensely. Amen. And every time we hear of this message that's, that the, a price had to be paid, the price had to be death, and Jesus chose to pay our speeding ticket for us, It doesn't give us permission to speed. It changes our desire to how we drive moving forward. You don't hear the message of grace, the message of God's goodness, and say, I want to sin more. The Bible says it's the goodness, it's the kindness of God that leads all men to repentance. What is repentance? Not feeling bad about yourself. It's changing the way you behave. Repentance is, I've been going this way, I'm fixing to start going this way. And when you hear about his goodness, when you hear about his kindness, when you hear the fact that he paid the full price for you, it makes you say, I am never speeding again. And we do. (laughs) We still speed, we still do those. And you know what? That's why he says, we can come boldly before the throne of grace every single day and receive what? A reminder of his mercy and his goodness and his kindness that says this, there's not a thing I could do right that makes me more innocent moving forward. My behavior, my good works, my good deeds don't make me more innocent than I am. What Jesus did made me 100% innocent, 100% just, 100% holy. So your good works are not raising the bar. But the one that freaks the religious people out is this one. And your bad works isn't lowering it either. Your sin is not lowering your innocent status. Your sin is not all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you sin? Nope, you're not justified anymore. Because your your sin or your good works didn't justify you in the first place. What justified you in the first place? Believing in the one who paid the price. Faith. Romans chapter one, because this is where I want to get to. Romans chapter one, verse 17. This, we read this earlier, but I want to read this in the, the OG Amplified version. It says, for in the gospel a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed both springing from faith and leading to faith. Notice what it says. The real gospel leads you to more faith. That's what I was talking about a while ago. It doesn't make you say, oh, oh now that I'm good and going to heaven, I can live however the heck I want to live. No, no, it actually leads you to live by faith. It points you in that direction. And leading to faith, disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith 
as it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and shall live by faith. So here's what he's saying. Once you've been justified, death is no longer your future. Life is, eternal life. But then you're also going to keep on living by faith. So how were you justified? You chose to believe that the word of God is true, that what God said is true. I sent my son Jesus, Jesus actually came, he died on the cross and he paid the penalty for my sin. I'm gonna confess that with my mouth, I'm gonna believe that with my heart. It required no works, it required faith. And because of that faith, I am now, heaven is my future home. But what it's saying is like, okay, now the same way you got that piece of heaven, that's how you're gonna get the rest of heaven because heaven is the reward of the righteous. Heaven is the reward of the righteous. In fact, I'd even propose to you, and I think I can prove in scripture, but I don't have time, that God's initial plan was that in the Garden of Eden, he seeded a piece of heaven on earth in the garden. The Garden of Eden was a heaven starter kit. And then he put us in there, and I said this wrong in the first service, and then I, the Lord immediately corrected me. And he put us in there with the intention of uh, us co-laboring with him to bring, where, you, where have you heard this before? To bring heaven to earth. That was, that's been the plan all along. To partner with us to bring heaven to earth. That's why when he restored us and made us new again, guess what? The plan didn't change. The enemy thought he got us, but he didn't. God's still gonna get his plan, which is us partnering with him to bring heaven to earth. Here's the thing, heaven's a lot bigger than salvation. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Here's what that means. You can't walk in faith or release faith or have faith in something if you don't fully believe it's the will of God for your life. Remember when you were young and dumb and you saw that person over there and you said, Lord, make that person my wife. That ain't a prayer of faith. That's a prayer of something else. Because you're not 100% sure that's the will of God for your life. You wished it was and you hope it is. You might, you can even hope. But what I'm saying is you can't release faith. Faith is not released until you're 100% convinced that's the will of God for my life. Which is why it's important that we know the will of God for our life. Now, I'm gonna close right here. Yes, the word of God is the will of God. But here in the Bible Belt, I'm gonna, I feel like the Lord showed me how to do this. Um, There is something that I can show you and I bet you, you will never again act like you don't know the will of God. How many of you guys would be good with that if I gave you just one little sentence basically and you say, yo, I will now always know what the will of God for my life is. It's this, the will of God is heaven and everything in it. The will of God. So now how does, that, how does that connect with you? This one's an easy one for us. Do you think there's cancer in heaven? No. Of course, do, are you, are you kind of, I don't know, you never know. No, are you 100% convinced? No, so then <clears throat> the will of God is a cancer. Now why that's important is because the enemy is gonna try to con- even use scriptures to convince you that it might be. You get the report, cancer, whatever, the disease, whatever. The enemy's gonna say, well, you know, the scripture does say in this life there's gonna be trouble. And he's gonna try to get you convinced that that trouble is that cancer, is that disease. 
If that's the case, then why did Jesus put straps upon his back to get rid of all sickness and disease? Why is he trying to get rid of something he might use, might, might, might say, hang on, I took that. How unjust would that be if God made Jesus take a stripe that sometimes was actually his will? Ridiculous. So what that does is that tells me I know where to point my faith. The will of God is the target for my faith. So when I, when I see cancer, I go, what's the will of heaven? What, 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 what's heaven? Is there cancer in heaven? No. Then I now know to release my faith for that cancer to get out. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. From now on, the will of God, heaven. Now, those are easy for us. We, we, we don't have a problem with that one. Let me ask you, we got to get it on down here where, we're, where we deal with stuff. Do you think relatives are arguing in heaven? Do you think there's bitterness and strife and unforgiveness over stupid little stuff that has families not talking for weeks, for months, for years? You think that's going on up there? Thy kingdom come. That tells me this is not the will of God for my life. Well, but you don't know what they did. I don't care what they did. You said it. If it ain't in heaven, it don't belong here. I, I don't need any more explanation on how ugly or hateful or any. I, now, you may create a boundary <laughs> between ugly and hateful people. That's, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But anger and strife. The Bible says where there's strife, envy, and jealousy, there's confusion and everything evil. Do you think there's confusion and everything evil in heaven? No. That's an easy one for us. Then there should be no strife, and there should be no envy, and there should be no jealousy. What did I just give you? Another target for your faith. If this stuff is going on in your family, it's time to release your faith and say, not on my watch. If this, is, if this is not up there, it does not belong here. I don't care what they've done. I've got to do whatever I can to bring heaven to my family in this situation. If that means I have to forgive, Lord, if that tells me, if that, if, if that means you tell me for the first time on Christmas, you haven't been there in a decade, you're going to show up with gifts from mom and dad, you listen to the Holy Spirit and you do what he tells you to do to bring heaven to earth in every area of your life. Do you, th- and please hear my heart. I'm not here to condemn, judge, make fun of, make light of, not the point. Do you think anybody's going to get to heaven and the Lord say, hey, ran out of mansions, you got a single wide. And sometimes the air conditioner, you got to pop, pop to get it to run. <laughs> Do you think that house exists in heaven? Do you think there's going to be cars in heaven, if there's cars, just walk with me on this one, that every now and then they just don't run? They don't run right. Is there going to be anything even physically? Now, we know that there's scriptures about houses. And there's scriptures about roads. I don't know what's on them, but the asphalt is gold. (laughs) What's my point? Again, this is going to be so offensive to some because I go, oh, here he goes. I always knew you was one of them prosperity guys. No, like you, I'm a heaven on earth guy. And I'm a, the Bible is the final authority on everything in my life. That's what kind of guy I am. And you are too, aren't you? So you're not offended by this prosperity stuff, are you? Or are you? Because if you are, 
Heaven offends you, not me. Oh, don't nobody need houses like that and cars like that and stuff. No, nobody needs stuff like that. No, you know what the difference in heaven is? People can have that kind of stuff and not be in pride. They can be in that, something such just come to me. They can live in that house and they wouldn't miss one church service to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know what the biggest issue with some of our stuff is? Our stuff isn't, doesn't glorify him. It actually keeps us away from him. Because after all, if I've got all my needs met, why do I need him? As if the pinnacle of your relationship with God is what he does for you. Stuff's not the issue. There's stuff in heaven. But the stuff doesn't keep you from worship. The stuff doesn't get you puffed up in pride. The stuff doesn't separate you from him. You need to ask yourself, we live in a pretty wealthy area. Let's just, let's get this out of the way. Midlanders, oil and gas folks, with all y'all money. Does your money distract you or worship him more? Crickets. My, I, I, I'm, I'm, what I'm telling you, my heart is not to bring condemnation because at the end of the day, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I am not condemning you. I'm inviting you into more. There's just more. You have such, this, this life we have on earth, Scripture calls it a, like a vapor and a mist. It's just gone in no time. And we are getting to qualify. Let me say this better. This little bitty breath of time determines in some degree the joy that we experience for eternity. I'm asking you to be a wise investor. A wise investor of your time. A wise investor of your talents. Of everything that God's put in your hand. Invest it into the kingdom. Now, I know there's other scriptures too. God's given us richly all things to enjoy. Some things, why are you doing them? Because I enjoy them. I got a scripture for it. Well, I don't think you ought to have big old ranches and bass boats. Well, I enjoy those things and I got a scripture. (laughs) It's not, and I'll close right here. Cody, sorry for taking too long. But the faith, faith begins where the will of God is known. It's also important that you know the character of God. Not knowing how good he is, how kind he is, how much he loves you. Don't you want your kids to have things that they enjoy? Where do you think you got that? You think you were just born that a certain way that cannot be explained? No, you were born, you were created in the likeness and image of God. He wants his kids to have things. It's not the point, but he doesn't want things to have his kids. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.